Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, September 24th, 2023. Today's sermon will be part 5 from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses... We're going to be in verses 25 to 29, but I'm going to, I'm going to reread 18 to 29. Um, and while you're turning there, um, as you, you guys know, um, Gil was up here last week reading Ephesians and uh, praying together and uh, very grateful. Um, I did send out an email to the church, uh, churchwide, about baby Trevor Hunter Snooks was born last Sunday morning, but I at least wanted to make an announcement as well in case someone did not get the, the email. But mother and daughter and um, uh, mother and husband and then Nora, baby and Trevor are doing well. We were up there last night or two nights ago and came back last night. So thank you guys for praying and thanks Gil for jumping in there this past week. I didn't call Gil until like 11 o'clock at night on Saturday. It's only happened twice in the history of grace. The other time that I had to call was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I called Jimmy Hubbard when Josiah's appendix uh, burst. We didn't burst. We, we had it taken out right beforehand. So <clears throat> those were the two times that I have missed on an emergency, and I actually called Jimmy, who was out of town, and I said, hey, Jimmy, you need to turn around from vacation. Come back. And so you, everybody who knows Jimmy can imagine what he said. So, <clears throat> with that in mind, I want to read, as we really come to the last part of really the majority of the doctrinal teaching of Hebrews. And so, this is sermon number five on this passage, and it's more of a topical sermon on the kingdom, the kingdom of Christ that we have received. But I'm going to read verses 18 to 29. And then we will pray and get started. So starting verse 18. So he's speaking to us, to those Hebrew Christians and to us today. So listen to these words. For you have not come <clears throat> to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest, the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages may be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Speaking there of the old Mosaic law, the old covenant particularly that came to them at Mount Sinai and the law and the holiness of God. And he, that's what those verses are speaking of and, and as we've seen. Then he says, verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in feastal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who enrolled in heaven, to the God, excuse me, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a, word, a better word than, than the blood of Abel. In verse 25, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That's speaking mostly of the old covenant there. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Which again pictures, of course, the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 28. And this is where we will finish up this week. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom. We have received the kingdom. And thus... Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for these words. And we stand by faith just as those Hebrew Christians stood by faith who believed on the Lord Jesus. And we hear these words today. May we not refuse them. In unbelief, but may we listen by faith. Father, these, these words are good for us. I pray that this morning as we think about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, that we receive this kingdom, Father, as we think about these things, may Jesus increase, may I, may we decrease. Father, I pray that, um, as I always pray, in spite of me, I pray that you would work Father, we are great sinners, but Christ is a great Savior who has overcome our sins on the cross. Help us today. We give you this time. We need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon is, this is part five, on the kingdom. But the focus is on receiving the kingdom. Really, what kind of kingdom have we received? And we've just read these verses on the kingdom of Christ. God has established His kingdom in His Son. The kingdom did not come through the prophets or the fathers of old. The kingdom did not come through Moses, the earthly mediator. The kingdom did not come through the priesthood of Aaron. The kingdom did not come through this great warrior Joshua, the conqueror of Canaan. The kingdom did not come through the great King David, or his son Solomon. The kingdom was not established through Mosaic law and the Old Covenant with all of its glory. No, all of those things that I just mentioned were types and shadows of the king and the kingdom to which they pointed. Today, the kingdom of God has been established in the, we would say, the greater Moses the true mediator between God and sinful man, that is the Lord Jesus. Today, the kingdom of God has been established in the true high priest, the one who is both the priest and the offering, as the sinless Son of God laid down His life. Today, the kingdom of God is, has been established in the greater Joshua, the one who will not merely conquer Canaan, but will establish his kingdom throughout the entire earth and then fill all of the heavens. This is the great plan of God, the greatest of all plans, as in Christ he will fill all things. And today, we gather. Why do we gather? 
We gather because we are the recipients of such a kingdom, of this kingdom. The, the, the text says this, that tells us it cannot be shaken. We have received this kingdom. And now it's interesting that all of the religions of the world, except for Christianity, are based upon works. In other words, what must a person do to get to the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom? The Jews still require the works of Moses and the law of the Old Covenant. Muslims require the, the five pillars that they would perform, the great works. Hindus, Buddhists, all the animists of the world are still requiring works to get to this kingdom, to find this kingdom. But let me ask, what must we do to get to this kingdom, to be a part of this kingdom? Look at verse 28. The ESV says, let us be grateful for what? Receiving a kingdom. At the end of the day, that's what we do. By faith, we simply, merely receive the kingdom. Throughout the book of Hebrews, our author has warned us over and over to listen to God's voice and not to refuse the one who speaks. Because to refuse the one who is speaking is unbelief. He uses great language to say it's to trample the blood of the Son underfoot. To hear and to see and to know what is true. And then to neglect or refuse such a great salvation is to come under the wrath of God. Who is a, as he tells us here in chapter 12, the end, verse 29, a consuming fire. But... To believe is to receive. This is faith, brothers and sisters. This is why we are here. We have received this kingdom. We have believed on the heavenly king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have received this kingdom already. The text has told us, I've gone through great efforts to show that that has happened now in Christ. But... When we look at our lives, when you look at your life as you sit here this morning and you see, you look at your own heart and you go to the depths of your heart and you see your own sin, you see much of the mess that follows your own sin, you feel the weight of this world as we experience the effects of sin through, through sickness, through death, through anxiety, through depression, through lots of heartaches, through all of the things that we go through in life, whatever they are, and there are many, we know that the kingdom we have received in Christ has not yet come fully on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't take much to figure that out. And though we possess the kingdom by faith now, we still pray. How does Jesus tell us to pray? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So as Christians, by faith, we have received a kingdom. A.W. Pink, who I've taken these points from this morning, been very, very helpful, says that the kingdom is a kingdom of grace. So we're Grace Baptist Church. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. Everything that comes down, as my dad used to always say, how are you doing? I'm, how you, he says, I'm, I'm not getting what I deserve better than what I deserve. 
But we have received the kingdom by grace. But the kingdom is also a kingdom of of glory. Glory. On the one hand, we are here now and we wait for the consummation. We wait for the glory to be consummated. We wait. The Bible says Jesus sits at the right hand of God until when? Until all of his enemies are made his footstool. This is what we wait for. On the other hand, by faith we already possess the glory of heaven. I think of the old song. We used to sing it years ago. Glory came down and heaven, was it heaven came down or glory came down, Tommy? Heaven came down. I mixed it up, even in my manuscript. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. We used to sing that. This is what faith does. It fills the soul with the glories of heaven. Hebrews 11.1, 1, look over there with me. Let's turn over a page. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It bring, faith brings it down. The evidence of things not seen. We could say that faith brings down the glory of heaven to the soul. Now. Yet, we still wait for the glory to be consummated, to be completed. So that's probably the longest introduction I've ever had. But that's all, that's all right. And some of you who are visiting, the, the young bloods are here for the longest introduction I've ever had. But with that in mind, I have four truths this morning. And again, A.W. Pink was, was very helpful. And, and so my truths are this. I asked the question, in what sense have we received the glory? Have we received the glories of heaven? Here, I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. Number one, by grace we receive the glory of heaven through the unchangeable word of promise. So think of the word promise. God's promised, okay? Two, we receive the glories of heaven because we have the first fruits already given to us. Three, we receive the kingdom of glory through <clears throat> the realization of faith. So faith, that's the third thing. And finally, we receive the glory, <clears throat> the kingdom of, glory, of this glory through the unchanged, excuse me, through hope. So we've got promise, first fruits, faith, and hope. So let's work through that. Number one, how do we receive the kingdom? What, what's it look like? By grace, we receive the kingdom through the unchangeable word of promise. In other words, by faith, we receive the promise of God, which is unchangeable, the text tells us. What has been promised by God to us is ours. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons, but the main reason the text tells us is God cannot change. And when he makes a promise, he keeps it 100% of the time. Hebrews 10, 23, look over there with me. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This means that the promise of God is as, is a, <clears throat> is as good a security as the actual possession itself. God cannot change, and what he has promised is as good as the fulfillment. In other words, God always makes good on his promise. There is no way that God's promise can ever fail. And to receive the promise, 
To receive the promise is to receive him. Think of a person who is fully, who has an insurance policy. Let's say you've got an insurance policy, but it's been fully, fully paid up, and it's sitting there with the insurance company. You've paid it all, and you owe nothing else on it, and they're not going to ever ask you for any more money, okay? The insurance policy is there, and it belongs to you. Though it's there, but it belongs to you. No one can take it away because it's all paid up. There's nothing left to owe. Well, let's say that you want to go and buy a car, but you don't really have all the cash for the car. So the insurance company will let you borrow money off of that because you've got collateral there, and they'll be glad to lend you the money because if you miss the payment, what happens? They just take the money from the insurance policy that is already there. Such are the promises of God. They're already paid up. They're paid up by His unchangeable character. Everything God has promised lies in the immutable, unchangeable counsels of His will. This is very deep. Another example on the word of promise might be a title to a car or to a house. When you buy a house, you can say, in a manner of speaking, I'm the owner of the house. It's my house. I'm the owner though the bank holds the title. But does anyone else have the right to, as long as you're making those payments, does anyone else have the right to that house? No. You are the owner. God holds the title. And he has promised to to carry out what he has promised for all of eternity. This means that all that God has promised in Christ is yours. Now, right now. Now, in Christ, we have come, as verses 22 to 24 say. Look there with me. Hebrews 12, 22. He says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable angels in feastal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So for us this morning, today, if you are a Christian, I'm speaking to Christians, I'm not speaking to non-Christians. If you are in Christ, already by grace you have received the kingdom of glory. Now, right now, if you have received this kingdom, you've received Christ. And the blessings that come from Him. What are the blessings that we have from receiving Christ and His kingdom? Well, now, first off, your sins are forgiven. So the things you've done this week, the thoughts you've had this week against your neighbor, against your spouse, against your children, everything that has happened this week, any sins that have come from the heart or sins that you have committed in action, they are all forgiven in Christ, if you have received the kingdom. Now, the wrath that your sins deserve have fallen upon Christ on the cross as our sacrifice. Now, now you've been reconciled with God, though you were an enemy before, now in Christ. If you've received the kingdom, you have been reconciled with God. Now, you've been adopted. You are a child of the King. 
You are a part of God's family. You are his child now, and you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You were purchased from sin and slavery. If if you've received Christ and his kingdom now, you are alive by the Spirit. As God works in you the same power that rose Christ from the dead, he is now working in you the same power that works that worked in Christ to raise him from the dead. Now, all of these things you have now, but we also wait for other glories to come. Heaven, promises yet to be fulfilled. Revelation 21.4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Any tears this week? Maybe. Any tears last week? Maybe. Any tears last year? Absolutely. He will wipe them all away. Death shall be no more. Have we had loved ones or others that have died that we know this week, this month, this year? Absolutely. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. Has anybody mourned over whatever, a loss of a loved one or someone in your family who is way away from the Lord Jesus? Mourning. He says, I will wipe that away. Have you cried? That will be wiped away. No pain anymore. All of these things. For the former things have passed away. Revelation 21.4. We still wait for those things, don't we? So one day, faith will be made sight. We will see Him. The Bible tells us. Great mystery there. I think we will see Christ. We see God in the face of Christ. But... We will see him as he is. Why? Brothers and sisters, because he has promised. He has promised. For us, this means that now we, you, you can endure until tomorrow, until the next day, until the next day, until death comes, until the Lord Jesus comes back. You can endure. This is what Hebrews 11, when we spent... 17 sermons in Hebrews 11. Think back there. Why did Abel offer a better sacrifice than Cain? Why did Abraham obey God and leave his country? Sarah received power to conceive even as a, past the age of 90. Abraham took his own son, the son of promise, to go and sacrifice him. Why would he do that? Why would Moses, the second in charge in all of Egypt there, leave all of its power? Why would Israel come to Jericho and march around seven times and then seven do all of that? Why would Rahab in the city then help the Israelites? Then the text tells us why. Others conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the powers of the sword. Others suffered mocking. Flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were, sto- they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. Why, brothers and sisters, would, did they do all of these things? Why do we go forward today? Because by faith, we believe the promise of God. At the end of the day, that's what Hebrews is saying. We believe all of the promises of God. Those now in Christ that we have and those we wait for. So that's one way now we've received the kingdom. 
Number two, by grace, you have received or we have received the kingdom of glory as we've been given the first fruits of that kingdom. If you are a Christian, you have received the kingdom of glory. And you know this because God has given you what the Bible calls, it's a weird word, first fruits of the kingdom. This is pretty easy. We often talk about first fruits. You may have a huge harvest of corn or a bunch of tomatoes coming in at the end, but right at the beginning, you pick that first one or first two, and you eat it, and you go, wow, I can't wait for the rest of that harvest. It's coming, and it's good, and it's beautiful, and I want it, and I cannot wait. Another example might be earnest money given on a house. If you want to buy a house, you, the person you're buying from may require some kind of deposit in the form of a down payment that secures the deal. Well, in the same kind of way, as we wait for the full fullness of the kingdom to be revealed, we are given a down payment. We are given earnest money. And you know what? There is no end to the bank account of God. He gives us in fullness. He gives us the Holy Spirit who is God in essence. And we are given an installment now. Okay? These are through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, If you think about this, what are the first fruits in your life? As we wait for the promise, wait for the kingdom that we have received. I think these, a lot of these are the comforts that God gives now to his children, those things that, that only God can, can give through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the blessings of heaven that come down to the soul in this life now. Jesus, the one who sits at the right hand of God, what does he say? Now, come to me, all you who labor, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We have rest for our souls to know that our sins are forgiven. Comforts that God gives now, the first fruits, these are the special, I mean, drops of grace from heaven, all bound up with the gifts of Christ because of his person and his work coming down to us. How do you think the saints from Hebrews 11 endured? How do we endure today? <laughs> well, we endure because God has given us the first fruits to help us look for the big harvest to come. It's, it's very clear. There is a big difference. If you are a Christian here today, you go out and you work in the world, and you have conversations with work, those who work with you, or you go to family reunions, and you go, and some of your family are not believers, and you have conversations with these believers, it is obvious there is a big difference here. Very big difference. There's a big difference between the Christian and the world because they do not have the first fruits. They do not have the drops of grace given to them in their lives, and so they don't understand. God says to us in Isaiah chapter 40, I was reading this week in my quiet times, most beautiful words, just listen to these. God says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Brothers and sisters, we've known 
We're Christians. We know. Have you not heard? We've heard the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. That's us. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Whatever you're going through, God is giving. If you are a Christian and you have faith, you have first fruits. Here they are, some of them. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. God's given a great bit of strength to us. We've, we've entered a new section, a new stage of life as we've become empty nesters. And there's a lot of good things about that, but we miss our kids. We miss that. And it's just such a big difference. God has given us great grace. Even you shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall and get exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. doesn't matter how old we are. Many people, in, few people in here older than me, and as we get older, we realize these things more. Doesn't matter. They who wait for the Lord, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for Him to fulfill all of His promises. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. Brothers and sisters, as we wait for all God's promises to be fulfilled, we do not lose heart, do we? we? We might for a day or a week or a season, but if we have the first fruits, we have the Holy Spirit, God makes sure that we do not lose heart. I love those verses. It's in also in Isaiah, it says the, 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 the broken reed, or the reed that's broken, he will not allow to, con- to break all the way, and that ember that's about to go out he will not let it burn brothers and sisters if you are a christian and you are looking unto christ by faith and the promises of god you've been given the first fruits you can endure we will endure we keep on keeping on as dory the fish said keep on swimming we keep doing it as we do what we keep our eyes on jesus and the promises of god that come down through him 2 Corinthians 4, listen to these words. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. The first fruit is the treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We endure because God does it. And we give Him the glory. We do not say, look at me. We give Him the glory. We are afflicted. In every way, but we not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body. Here we are now, the body, the death of Jesus. Jesus said, if you follow me, you're going to get what I got. You're going to suffer persecutions. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body of Jesus, death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death, to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This, these are the first fruits. We do not 
lose heart. Why? Because we have received a kingdom. And that kingdom, according to Hebrews 12 here, cannot be shaken. And we wait for God's promises. So we've received, we have the word of promise. That's, we've received the kingdom. And we have the first fruits. That's, that's two. Number three. By grace, we receive the kingdom of glory by the realization of faith. Faith. 11, 12 are all about faith. What a mystery. I think about this often, that God would create faith. He created it for this very purpose, that we might be connected to Christ and his promises, that we might receive this kingdom. And to receive something is to do it now. Faith is for us now, brothers and sisters. Now we behold by faith the glories of heaven. One day we will see with our eyes. Faith will not be needed. Paul says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Faith is for now. But what does faith do? Well, we know the answer to this. But in this context of this sermon, faith brings the glories of heaven to the heart, to the soul. As I studied with A.W. Pink a bit this past, past few weeks, he says there are differences between grace and glory. He's, here's what he says. Here's a quote. Now, grace and glory are one and the same in essence, differing only in degree. Grace is heaven brought down to the soul. Glory is the soul conducted up to heaven. Grace is glory commenced. Glory is grace consummated. We wait now by faith for the consummation of all things. But for now, faith realizes that those things for which we wait, they're already ours. This means by faith, everything that God has promised about the kingdom of glory is ours. Faith holds on to you're climbing a rope to the top, you better hang on. That's what faith does. That's why God created it. Holds on to all the glories of heaven and connects your soul to the promises. This is what it means. Another way of saying we receive the kingdom. Look back with me at Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, some of you who weren't here a while back won't remember this, but do you guys remember my illustration about the bacon? I, I never have a hard time bringing up bacon, because I love bacon. Probably shouldn't eat it so much, but... For those of you listening to my story this morning, they're better, better for you than Oreos, that's for sure. But bacon, I, ha I don't have a hard time bringing it up. So think back to my illustration on bacon. I'm in the bed. Picture me laying in the bed in the morning. Kristen is in the kitchen cooking the bacon. 
I lay in my bed. I smell the aroma. It's coming from the kitchen, okay? I got it. As I lay there, I'm thinking, hmm, that's my bacon. I bought it last week at Costco. It's in the kitchen already. I bought it with my money. It's in my house. It's being cooked on my stove. And as I lay in my bed and the smell comes down, I know it's already mine. It's in the kitchen. Well, this is what faith does. It is the substance of things hoped for. It brings distant things near and gives them a gives a present reality to that which is future. The glories of heaven that we still wait. And let me say this. This is supernatural. It only happens to Christians. Faith is a, is a great, powerful gift. We have this, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay. The worldly person does not understand how we can believe such things and believe that God so loved the world that he gave his son and that he went and he lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross and he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of God where he sits at the right hand of God. The world does not understand this. And they do not understand, if you are a Christian here, if we are Christians, we act differently. Parents, what do we do with our kids? We raise them differently. We teach them to do what's right. We teach them to, to, to tell the truth. We teach them to be obedient to those who are in authority over them. We teach them to, to, to follow the orders of their teachers. We, as they go further, we teach them to stay pure until they get married. Why do we do such things? Why do we teach such things? And why could keep on going? We teach them because we have a kingdom that is in heaven, that has come down to us in Christ, and we are different. We have faith. Faith. Paul says this, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. As Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that God made the world without, when it was just God. We understand that. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to that person. And he or she is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It is because we have received the kingdom by faith and we act this way and we do this thing, these, these things. That's why we are different. So that's, a, that's the third truth this morning. The last one, by grace we receive the kingdom of glory by the embraces of hope. Hope, faith and hope are both spiritual graces, both created by God with a purpose that we might receive the kingdom now. We cannot receive the kingdom without faith and hope. Cannot. It's impossible. Take away hope, we don't have real faith. Take away faith, we don't have hope. God has put them together. Faith believes. 
promises. God says, I'm going to do this, and faith says, that's what I believe. I believe that. Hope is different. Hope, though it works alongside of faith, hope is a little different. It anticipates the things to come, okay? Like, I hope that the Texas Rangers win the ball game. We don't know that or not. We hope. I hope the hurricane doesn't hit the coast. I hope that I can stay healthy this week. We all speak about hope in this way. Even the world speaks about hope in this way. But the spiritual grace, powerful, God-given gift of hope is much more powerful than this. The hope of glory looks forward in anticipation for the things that we already possess by faith. In my previous example, examples, you know, here with, I hope that we win the ball game or the hurricane doesn't come. We don't know if they will come true or not. But with our hope in heaven, our heavenly hope is sure. We have an expectation, a definite, definite assurance. Think back to my bacon. If faith lays hold of the bacon while I'm laying there, you know, smelling it, knowing it is promised by Kristen to cook it and I can smell it, well, then hope, as I think about that, switches over and says, hmm, but it's, it's there, okay? And I know it's there and it's going to happen. It anticipates the future. And since faith has already laid hold of it, hope cannot be disappointed ever, the kind of hope that God gives. This is how they go together. This is why in Hebrews 6.19, he says, hope is the anchor of the soul. Not faith, it's just a different context. Hope is the anchor for the soul. For it lays hold of the glory that is in heaven and brings it down to us. And it's, it's the substance of things hoped for. Again, with the bacon, if I know it's in the kitchen being prepared, with smells coming, with great anticipation, that's what happens. This is what hope does in your soul. So hang with me just a minute or two longer because I'm almost done. But hope, this is what it does in your soul. It brings excitement to what is to come. Let me just say something there. If you profess to be a Christian, and you've been saying that for year after year after year after year, and you find yourself with no excitement and no anticipation of hope for the glories of heaven, then I would say to you, you need to reevaluate your faith and your hope. Maybe you are not a Christian. And one of the ways we tell is what, dry, what, what are the things in our lives that we love? Well, we know, again, as we talked to Sunday school, you are what you are. What are the things you go after in life? Is it the things of this world? Is it the next pleasure? The next purchase? The next time with your friends, the next time with your, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It, you, it's, it, this is just evaluation pastorally as I think about, I'm not so naive to think that everyone sitting here is a Christian. So how do you know that you have faith and your hope is there? Well, if, if I'm describing you and that's your life lifestyle and your excitement comes in those things, then I would say to you, you need to repent and you need to, to ask God to forgive you, and you need to seek the face of Christ and turn unto Him and be saved. 
very clearly. But back to the sermon as far as Christians are concerned. When we think about hope, this is why our author says we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Look at verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that what? Cannot be shaken. Those things I just mentioned, all of them are going to pass away. The kingdom that I am preaching, kingdom this Bible proclaims to us in the gospel of Christ, this kingdom cannot be shaken. The kingdom that we behold by faith and anticipate with hope is the everlasting kingdom of Christ. These are the things Hebrews teaches us about what it means to receive the kingdom. We have received a kingdom that has come down to us through a promise. God is unchangeable. And we know that the kingdom is real because we've received its first fruits. We have the Holy Spirit. And we go, where does that comfort come from in that time? Well, we know it. There's the first fruits God has given us. And brothers and sisters, I know this, the first fruits, first fruits have come down to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ, every one of them. This is the gospel. The greatest witness to the world of the glories of the kingdom come to us, comes to us because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the story of the book of Hebrews. And we have received the kingdom by faith, which is the substance of things to come. And finally, we anticipate the glories of the kingdom because we have a hope that anchors our soul in heaven. So I ask, is there anything more glorious than this? Therefore, if you are not a Christian... Receive this kingdom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him and be saved. Jesus says, come, on, come unto me. But as Christians, the application, there are many. And the whole, all of chapter 13, for the most part, is application. So that's where we're going. Therefore, today, and as I leave you, as we leave one another, seek the things that are above. Act like a citizen of the kingdom. Present yourselves an acceptable worship in everything that you do. Worship's 24-7. This is not worship what we do here today. This, this, is, this is worship, and it is the pinnacle of our worship during the week. But worship is 24-7 for the Christian as we present our bodies. You've often heard the phrase, he or she is so heavenly minded that she or he is no earthly good. I don't particularly like that saying. I know what it's meant by it, but I want to present the opposite. If we were more heavenly minded, we would certainly be more earthly good, I believe. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged today, if you are a Christian, that you have received this kingdom. And I hope that your faith just goes a little bit deeper. You've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God has promised. You have the first fruits. You've realized these things by faith. And your hope will not let you down. So... Brothers and sisters, I hope we are all encouraged. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words today and this time that we can meet together and just dwell on receiving the kingdom. We know we've come to Christ now, the kingdom now, but yet there are many promises we wait for in the future. I pray that, that these words would go down deep 
If someone is not a Christian today, they would look unto Christ and be saved. Christians, may we be encouraged. May we endure and uh, until you allow us to meet again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.